buddy, your pal, your comrade. Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from the top of my house, just below the roof in the attic. And that's where I am. Well, I was going to say it's where I am every Friday morning, but that's where I invite a guest every Friday morning on Philanthropy and Focus. And that's what this program is called. But typically I'm here pretty much every day. I'm here all the time and I'm here to do a couple of things. I'm here to meet with the leader of a nonprofit organization, help them tell their story and amplify their message. Lots of music. I hear music, Lewis. I hear music in the background. Are you rocking and rolling where you are? Yes. I'm, right now I'm the Patriots Stadium in Somerville. And we are at the Health and Wellness Expo for the Statewide Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. The, and I'm the using Health, the, Health and Wellness Expo? Yes. On location? Yes, we are in location. I'm using the, the journalist spot, right? But the background is outside. Yeah. I love it. I love that. I didn't know you were going to be on location. It's even more exciting now. Yes, no, we try to, uh, I mean, I came here to do the opening remarks for the event and due to the weather, that was delayed, but I'm here. I mean, this is a commitment that I have to long time in order for us to put this together. And I'm really happy to be here today. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm happy to have you here. I'm excited that you're here with me. I, I gotta, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't send a, a quick hello to our friend, our mutual friend, Ralph Winter, you know, I talk about playing nonprofit sector connector all the time. And if it wasn't for Ralph saying, you need to meet Luis, he's in charge. He's running the statewide Hispanic Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey, and he will be a great guest on your show. So look, Luis, that's it. You better be a great guest. Ralph Winter said you would, so you, you better be. I'm going to do, you could stay on mute for a couple seconds yeah, like you do. That's great. And I'm going to, because I'm going to go over a couple of things and then we'll jump into the conversation shortly. There is a, there's a quick mention I want to put out there to the world. Uh, I just want to say it was a special week for me this week. Well, they're all special, but this one particularly special because we chose the semifinalists for the New York City Imagine Awards. It's the second annual New York City Imagine Awards. So shout out to Ken Serini, Kellyanne Serini, and the team over at Serini and Associates and all the committee members. I'm actually going to run down for everybody real quick, so you can listen to this later on. But in the rising star category, Blankets of Hope, Girl Vow, Harlem Grown, Legal Information for Families Today, Little Sisters of the Assumption, Family Health Services in New York City again, NAMI, the National Association on Mental Illness, New York City Metro, and Young New Yorkers. That's a rising star category. Congrats to the semifinalists. In the Leadership Excellence category, it's the Association to Benefit Children. Avenues for Justice, my friend Angel Rodriguez, who's been on the show here before. Another friend of mine, Joe Turner from Exponents, who's been on the show. Um, Sean Ullman from Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America Association. Suit Up, Lauren Riley. And, the, and also the Campaign Against Hunger, Dr. Melanie Samuels, who's CEO and founder, and the Children's Village, Jeremy C. Cohambin. And also, I didn't mention, it's Gretchen Buckenholtz over at ABC mm -hmm. Association to Benefit Children. Maybe later on in the show, I'll go into some of the other categories, but that's Leadership Excellence, and that's the Rising Star category. Congrats to all the semifinalists. Perhaps I will come back and hit upon the other three categories. I do want to set this conversation up. This is, it's a bit of a, uh, of a detract, not detraction, but it's a little bit of a different direction than some of the episodes of the show have been recently. You know, I talk about strategic alliances. I talk about playing nonprofit sector connector. I talk about the importance of the for-profit and the not-for-profit sectors coming together. And I certainly think when we talk Chamber of Commerce and, and when Luis and I spoke earlier this week, it, not only is the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce an incredible resource, a force to be reckoned with, but it's also an organization that, if I'm not mistaken, and Luis will tell me, but the largest membership chamber of commerce in, uh, in, in New Jersey, in the state of New Jersey, in the Garden State. So exciting to have Lewis here. There's really four tenants I know we're going to talk about today, but I want to give you some, just some background. Luis De La Hose is the first vice president, regional director, community lending at of New Jersey at Valley Bank and is responsible for helping local and small small and mid-sized businesses with their financial needs. He also works with businesses to develop strategies for growth with a particular emphasis in supporting organizations with Latino and minority leadership. So 
that when we spoke the other day, Luis was telling me about this, the way the chamber made this word that has become so ubiquitous, this word pivot. But a number of years ago, the chamber saw the future and said, we need to pivot. We need to do this in a different way. We need to approach this differently. And with a background in banking and a background in leadership, Luis De La Hose is the president of the board. Luis, come off mute now. I know you're in a loud spot. Yes. Welcome again to the show. I'm glad you're here. I, I, I'm looking at my notes from our call the other day. Yes. Correct me if anything is wrong here. 5,000 members, and there's 140,000 Latino SMBs, as we say, small, medium-sized businesses in the state of New Jersey, 140,000. Are those numbers accurate? Yes. But did you know that 92% of the businesses in the U.S. are micro-businesses? They 92%. have less than Yes. Uh, they have less than five employees, including the business owners. Mm-hmm. And what we believe is that entrepreneurship is the best way for immigrants and minorities to overcome poverty. That's that. the reality. Um, we have been focused on assist people to uh, start and grow their businesses because we believe that that's the best way. For example, Latinos, we can have five more chances to save money if we start a business versus if we try to find a job. And the other thing is that we start businesses um, like uh, in a faster space than other any groups, especially after any crisis or after any natural disaster. So tell me about the five more chances to save money by by having a business. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, the reality is that, I mean, for example, when I came to the United States, I was able to speak a little bit of English, but I was not fluent enough to, to have a, like a, a good job, right? Took me a little of time for me to be able to become like fluent enough and um, to be able to develop my network in order for me to get like a, a very uh, good job, like the one that I have. Right. Right. But not everybody has that opportunity. And especially if we have an entry level job, you are the first one out of the, the job when something happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the reality. Now, when the financial crisis happened and after Sandy and after all the jobs that immigrants used to host to have are gone. Construction, you know, uh, labor jobs are, are off. That's the reason because uh, when we have the opportunity to open a business, usually we start with a cash-based business, a micro-business. It is a long barbershop, restaurants. Those are the most common ones. But um, the reality is that that allows us to generate more income and to, to create more wealth and save money. I love that. So did you start off when you first came here? Did you have an entrepreneurial bug up that, that you like was in your mind and was pushing you and, and, and had driven you to uh, to go do the, you know, try something out on your own before you went and worked for someone else? Yes. Um, actually, I grew up in Colombia in a city that was hard hit for a volcano eruption back in 1995. Okay. And, and at that time, the leadership at the town, they realized that they was uh, training a lot of good employees, but they was not training like entrepreneurs. And they realized that a lot of people, they was going to college and after that, they go to another place and they, they find a job. And I studied to open my own business, and I was able to do that during my high school and during my uh, college degree. In, right? in Colombia? You were still in, in Colombia. Colombia. Yeah, okay. When I came here, I came here in 2004, and in 2005, I was able to open, to purchase a system business, and I started working at my own business. That's how that worked. Yeah. So what what drew you, what was the thing for you that made you know about entrepreneurship? Was that something that you knew from from growing up? Did you see that? Were there people in your family that owned businesses? My mom, my mom, uh, my father got an opportunity to go to to pursue a master's degree in Puerto Rico, and and he said, like, if I'm going to college, I, I may not able to provide to the. And my mom said, don't worry, we will take care of each other. And she did it. And she started her own business or the business on her own. And that, uh, that was all. What kind of business was that? Uh, she was, 
she knows how to uh, like to do a lot of handcrafts, especially. Okay. Sure. And she was the one who produced that. I, I was the one who sell those products oh, no that kidding. she manufactured. Yes. Oh, so that was like a family business. Yeah. Yes. So, was. so is that the first time you sort of got into sales yourself? I mean, obviously in banking, there's a lot of sales. I know you're, I assume you're credit trained and everything from a banking perspective, but there's relationships and networking and sales. Is that something that came natural to you personally or what? Listen, the one thing that I realized when I came here is that the best asset for uh, any individual here is the personal credit history. Yeah. That was like a, a concept that hit me. Did you know that you can save up to $250,000 just having a, a decent credit score through your working life from the minute that you start working to the minute that you retire? Just in, well, in the term of, of not getting or rather getting better rates, you know, getting, you know, better interest rates on, on lending and things like that. Is that what you're referring to? Yes. And it's very interesting because that's the most important asset that we can have as a citizens and as a business owners. Your personal credit history will be checked at the beginning or at the end of any financial transaction on your working life, right? Now, for example, you make double the income that I make. Uh, you have good credit and I don't. If we go together to purchase a car, you will pay $150 less every month just having a, a decent credit score. That car needs to get insured, right? We, you will pay $80. Just think about it. You are making double my income and you are saving money every time. So you're saying you can, even, so even so at the car payment, the person with better credit is going to save money when they go for insurance. It's going to be, a, there's going to be a discrepancy or a difference there. And I have one, one uh, easy example. If we, everybody needs a cell phone, right? If you don't have credit, you need to pay a deposit in order for you to get it. Okay. Right? Now, if I do have credit, they will finance the, the cell phone, but a cell phone is not all is no longer a luxury it's a need because for business for yeah. job for everything you need to have a self right and that's the important that was the first subject that i learned when i came here and i realized that not many people know about that subject in our community right when you say and community you're referring to the hispanic community mainly when you say that no i believe in minorities in general because Minority. We focus on all minorities, veterans. Uh, this is very interesting. When I came here, I thought that mm, Hispanics, we used to be the last group on the line. And when I was making the line, I realized that other groups was not even making the line. I was Maybe. the one calling them like, hey, veterans, come. This no is kidding. the line. Join us. Really? Yes, because you, if you don't have enough people on your community or if your community is doesn't have the ability to connect i believe that you are missing a, a big portion of the opportunities that this great country offers to everybody yeah. thank you for saying that and i mean we hear this a lot we're going to go to break in a second here but we hear this a lot about you know boards of directors and major companies you know i'm just going to say what i heard and this is just me saying it so don't you know don't get upset if anybody disagrees but boards of directors look very white look very white males like that's that's a reality yes we're working to fix that but what you know what a what a loss for these organizations without the diversity of background the diversity of experience the diversity of of just awareness of different cultures and things like that right i mean when we all come together to your yes. point i mean i i as you talked about that line i visually saw a line with you going hey get on this line there's like a line here like join, yes. join the line yeah and our job is two things. One, we really want the companies to reflect the customers that they serve. Okay. If we are 30% of the population, we just want to have representation. Now, those companies that decide not to pay attention to minorities in general, they are missing. Because okay. if the growth in the demographics is happening in those communities, just think about if you ignore 30% of your market, right. and that's the portion of the market that you are growing. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's very short-sighted. All right. A couple things. When we come back, because we ought to take a quick break, we'll be back in about 90 seconds. I know you're live on location, so I do want to talk about the Health and Wellness Expo that you're at now. But I want to talk about what we discussed earlier this week when we had our quick conversation, sort of what the chamber realized 10, 12, 13 years ago, whatever it was, when you, you had this epiphany as an organization, you said, this isn't going to work to do it this way. We got to go in a different direction. So that's that's a little tease for our listeners. 
Luis De La Hosa is here representing the statewide Hispanic Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey, the Garden State, as they call it. I'm in, I'm in the Empire State. I'm, in, I'm next door over here in New York. All right, listen, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. And we are back. All right, real quick, before we get back in the conversation with Luis, I did promise I want to go through this quickly. The social impact semifinalists in the New York City Imagine Awards, Our Children, good friends and clients of mine, New York Common Pantry, Project Renewal, Rain Total Care Incorporated, Start Treatment and Recovery Centers, and the Alley Forney Center, as well as Women in Need. And then the Arts and Culture Awards, the semifinalists for this year's New York City Imagine Awards, Art and Resistance Through Education, Education Through Music, Lower East Side Tenement Museum, Marlene Meyerson, JCC Manhattan, and the Museum of Mathematics, MoMath, as well as the New York Hall of Science and the Omnium Circus, which that's cool. There's a circus is one of the finalists, which is a nonprofit. Uh, when we come back from another break, I'll give you the innovation semifinalist. Luis, let's get back into this because I really, when you told me this story the other day, and, and I know some chambers and I know not all chambers are the same, that's for sure. Um, I have some friends at the Queens Chamber of Commerce I mentioned to you the other day, actually the only other chamber that we've ever featured here on the program. Uh, my buddy Tom Gresh, the CEO at the Chamber of Commerce out in Queens, Queens being one of the five brothers in New York City for you all who might not know that. Luis, tell me about this transition. Tell me like what was, you know, it, it happened right around the great, um, the great recession, right? 08, 09, yes. and like that. So let's, let's talk about that. Listen, that was a funny journey because I, I went to the Statewide Hispanic Chamber of Commerce when I came here to, to New Jersey and they never pay attention to me, but I, I started hosting the, state, the uh, Hispanic Business Expo and this year will be our 12th anniversary in July 19. And is the, that, that became the largest Hispanic business expo in the Northeast. When is that? Congratulations and on that. What time of year does that take place? July 19 at the Pine Minor in Edison, New Jersey. It started at 2 p.m. Okay. Uh, and the keynote speaker will be at 4. And we will stay until 8 p.m. But is there a website for that that we can send people to? Yes, I will post it on the chat for you. And yeah, post it in the I, chat, and then I'll share it on Facebook, and we'll get it out there. Yes. Uh, speaking of Facebook, now, got, a, got a shout out a couple of our friends on Facebook, Mick Collins and Steve Fry checking in. I want you to go on Steve Fry's show, not today, because you're busy, and he's already got a guest coming on, but he's the SMB guy, Luis, and he comes on right after my show, and he does all things yes. medium-sized business. He's a Jersey guy. I think he's in... Uh, I don't know what city. I do know what city. Steve, text me. I'll tell you. I'll shout out your city. 
Um, but I will. Okay. Put, I thank you, Lewis. I'll put that in the on Facebook right now. That was perfect. We're moving fast. So that's it's, you said it's the twelfth yes. anniversary of this or, of this uh, uh, of the expo. Yes. Let me tell you what happened. I when I started working at, at my own business in two thousand five. I mean that was like the, uh, the Alice on the Wonderland. You know, you used to go to a front of a bank. You used to between two thousand two and two thousand eight used to go to a bank, ask for an amount of money, and they will give it to you without not many questions, right? Alice in Wonderland? That's, I like that. <laughs> yes. That's great. Yeah. And the, I, that happened to me. I went to a, a branch. I asked for $40,000. They offered me $37,500 in like five minutes, right? And I was brand new in this country. What year? What, are you the, talking like, with that? Because you, 05, you bought your business, right? So is that? Yes, 2000, early 2005. Okay. I came here in in April 2004, and I opened my business in 2005, right? Now, in 2008, when everybody uh, was talking about the crisis, I say, even with the crisis, the U.S. is better than Colombia. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, even with the crisis, it's easy for us to open and grow a business. But always the, the, the problem was access to capital. Uh, and... I started working as a volunteer and non-for-profit that provide microloans between 500 and I would say 5,000, and we ended doing up to 50,000, right? $500, like lending $500? Wow. Yes. That was, remember the the, um, uh, the Nobel Prize that developed that micro-lending okay. offer in India where people buy like $200 cell phone and start selling calls. But, but in the U.S., 200 was not enough, and we did it. Now, the most popular service that we offered was a $2,000 loan called Credit Builder Loan. That was just to help people to build or rebuild their credit after the financial crisis. Now, I thought initially that everybody would qualify for a $2,000 loan. Sure. But we realized that some people didn't qualify even for that credit loan, Credit Builder Loan. That's when when a, a local chamber, the Middlesex Regional Chamber of Commerce here in Middlesex, approached me and said, Luis, we don't have any Hispanic members, and we have two cities, New Brunswick and Perth, but they have large Hispanic population. So Middlesex and, Chamber comes to you, right? This that you're running this expo and they and, and you're doing these small these micro loans. I mean credit yes. building loans, right? They saw what I did for the, the non-for-profit CDFI, and they say, Luis, can you help us to reach out to the Hispanic market? And I said, this is the idea. Let's do a Hispanic Business Expo where we'll be free for attendees and 30% of the exhibitors will exhibit for free. Let me, just stop was- you one, let me just stop you one second because I want to give people context. A CDFI is a community development financial institution. So it's not, it's not a bank, Louis, right? No, it's, it's, it's a non-for-profit that is designed to fulfill the gap between the customer and the bank. Like they focus on the customers that we cannot serve at any financial institution due to the credit, due to the lack of uh, financial information, due to the, the collateral, due to the many things. But now what, what I realized, I say, okay, the best way to finance your business is through your customers, right? You're supposed to come to the financial institution if you are growing, if you are buying a building, if you are buying equipment, if you need inventory, if you want to open 10 new like branches or restaurants wherever right my goal was okay if i cannot help them to access capital i can help them to access new markets and that way they will be able to be in a better position to access uh, the loan right that was the idea now i start this without the state hispanic chamber of commerce but the second year that we celebrate they came and they look around and say how is it possible that you are doing this so big? How do you get the support? And, and I say, no, no, this is really simple. I get the exhibitors. I get the restaurants. The restaurants exhibit for free because they, they give free samples. The alcohol vendors are exhibiting for free because they do alcohol samples. The artists came because they want to uh, showcase their, their craft, right? And that was a nice party. That became the only new event for the, the Middlesex Regional Chamber of Commerce. And we attract a new crowd, a new audience that was nobody was serving them, right? Now, 
when the statewide Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, the brand new chairman uh, came to the expo, he said, why are you helping a non-Hispanic chamber and no us? He said, because I came here three times, nobody pay attention to me. And he said to me, uh, hey, Luis, can you help us? He said, listen. Well, let me stop I you for one second. Let me stop you for a second, just so I can understand clearly. You were already connected to statewide Hispanic chamber. They just weren't really bringing you into the fold. And so somebody else wanted to work with you. So they, you went out and you did what I guess in business we call proof of concept, right? You prove this thing out here. And they said, why are you with this? And well, you didn't see me. You weren't looking at me. You didn't, right? You weren't there to be part of what I'm doing. So then, all right, so I'm up to speed. So what happened? So now they say, we want you back. Just come off mute. Just unmute, Luis. I go. say, I, I want to help, but I need to be considered for the board. And, and they look at me like, you are too arrogant. Like, you know, <laughs> we didn't consider any new members in, 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 in the board for a long time. But I say, listen, the, the only thing is, the reason because I want to be in the board is because I want to be the one who defend myself for someone who doesn't understand what I do. Because what I do is kind of unique or different and not everybody get it, right? But if I tell you what to say and you go there and say it, that doesn't work the same way. They make an analysis. They took a few months and they invite me to be part of the, the board. And the first board meeting that I attend, they provide me the financial and we was in the hall. We owe $300,000. Now, I didn't sleep because I didn't have the, the courage to tell my wife that I was willing to, I was starting to work for free and now I was responsible for 10% because it was 10 members at that time of what we owe. That was 30,000, right? Well, that sort of becomes a bounty on the board member. I mean, no, but, but if they decide that we will dissolve the entity or, or if they decide that we will close the door, we will be responsible for the money that we owe. Wow. Wow. All right. right. So, so yeah, that was a that was a great dinner conversation you had to have that evening. <laughs> no, the funny part is when I saw the financials, I say, hey, you know, in Colombia, when the numbers are in red, that means that we owe money. So it's the same in the U.S. Like, <laughs> I say, what? Like, yeah. But but I mean, Carlos Medina, who is the president, he he has a, a he studied law in in college. And I say, listen, I cannot deal with the, the money that we owe, but we need to increase the number of members. We need to develop the programming. We need to include social media as part of our daily activities. And if we do this, we will attract uh, sponsors and entities that will support us. And we change the business model from membership to results. So I want to hear that and we'll come back. We're going to take a quick break. So they changed the, the, the model from membership to results. Wow. That's a unique way to see things, folks. So we're going to see what is, let's be an outcome-based organization. Luis De La Jos and Tommy D, Statewide Hispanic Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey, Philanthropy and Focus. We'll be right back. Howdy. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. 
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Put me in the attic. Cut through the static. All right, let's do this. Lewis, you're on the board now, and they say, or or you decide as a group, we need to increase members, or your answer was, we need to increase members, and we need to increase social media, but you know what? The way we should go about increasing membership is not focus on going out and selling new membership, but we should go out and focus on results. So it almost sounds like if you build it, they will come. It sounds like that model, yes. where, right? Is that like, tell me about yeah. that. I mean, listen, the chamber is like the gym. If you pay the membership and you never go, right? You will look at the mirror in December and say, hey, I didn't lose any weight. So of course, you never come on every time that you come here, you don't exercise, you watch TV and you drink something or you have breakfast. I mean, that's no way that the gym works, right? right. The, the, the chamber is the same. If you don't attend the event and if you don't uh, network and if you don't spend the time and the effort, you won't see results, right? The main difference between the, the chambers in the US and the chambers in Latin America is that they have a fiduciary responsibility because we register the businesses through the chamber, not through the state, oh. right? And just imagine if that happened, instead of multiple chambers, you will have one chamber huh. for the entire state and that chamber will become very powerful because imagine all the money that you will be able to collect every time that someone needs to get a, a certificate or a, you know, you want to see who is running the chamber or, or, or any business. That was the, the first thing. Now, if I call any sponsor and I say that we have 300 members, they probably won't answer the call, right? But the problem was trying to ask members, especially small businesses and, and, and really small micro businesses for a $300 membership, right? And they was telling, asking us, okay, if I pay what I will get, say, right. I mean, it's not if you pay, you need to pay and you need to come in order for you to see the results, right? It's like, I'm, I'm telling you, join the gym, but I will do the workout for you. As soon as you look at me and say, no, Luis, you are too big. You don't look like you go to the gym very often, right? Now, the other thing is that we didn't have um, the, the uh, economic like budget to do a lot of advertising. But if we use social media properly, we can generate that uh, like uh, outreach to our members and to the sponsors. And they start paying attention to that. And Latinos, we use social media a lot for personal reasons most of the time, but not for business reasons. But we, we decide, okay, let's train them that if we start supporting each other on social media, we can like develop a big audience and the other thing is, after we attract them, let's provide them results. And we start, we did a couple of things. We, we start uh, allowing uh, members to come to, for our events for free, to exhibit for free, just to train them how to exhibit. If you come to the Health and Wellness Expo and you are not prepared, you won't see results. But if you come prepared, and if I provide you a, a checklist, 10 points, you need to bring your own like tablecloth, you, your sign, you know, a fishbowl. Uh, you need to have something that to attract people to come to your, you need to develop a database. You need to follow up with that database after the event. You know, you need to post on social media. You need, I mean, if, if we teach them how to do it and you are able to help them to learn and practice, they will see the results. Hmm. The other thing that we, we realize is that no, everyone, no, everybody wants to grow their business. We have people that say, I don't want more headaches. Just keep, leave me alone, right? I have a restaurant and I just want to operate a restaurant. Other people will tell you, I want to create a chain. I want to have 10 restaurants. We start focus on those who have high growth potential or, or they express the desire to grow because those are the ones that are willing to attend most of the events. Those are the ones to 
one attend our classes. We teach two classes and we will launch a new one this year. One is called Hispanic Entrepreneur Training Class and it's 15 weeks, three hours per week. Wow. But people who graduate, they will have access to the, the events that we host. And everything is aligned that what you learn at the class, you can put in practice at so the so event. Fast. So I, I take this book knowledge that, you, that the chamber is giving me and, and that I'm engaged with. I'm doing the work. And then I have a practical. I can go out and do this in the community. Yes. Wow. And the other thing is that in our classes, only like half of the class is from, from a professional individual. The other half is a system business owner that is su successful, that can inspire the, the, the students. I mean, you, I don't know if that happened to you, but if a teacher tried to teach you something and you, the teacher is not a business owner, the business owner always shut down and say, no, 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 if sure. you don't own a business, like right. how you will be able to teach me. But it, it's if, difficult, if, right? It's difficult for people, sorry to cut you off. It's difficult for people to say, well, you know, how, that's great. You're teaching me out of the book, but you don't do yeah. it. So if you don't know yes. about payroll and workers comp and actually what it's like to try and make the money to make the payroll this week, that's what I live with. Like that's what, it, right. Then, then you're just, you know, you're just a talking head, right? Yes. And you know, we have some different businesses. Some businesses will follow advice. And I, I always uh, like joke up with Ralph that some businesses really need a horse trainer, like someone who like teach yeah. them how to operate the business um, because it's very interesting. Not everybody will be able to learn the same way, right? Now, in many cases, they will learn from their peers more than from us. We just need to have the curriculum to teach the basics. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing. We don't teach them like how to cook if they own a restaurant because we cannot do that. Right. We just teach them how they can access to capital, how they can access to new markets, how they can access to network, you know, how they can pitch uh, an opportunity. I mean, if, if you invite me and after we finish the show, you didn't get satisfied, you never will consider me again, right? Mm -hmm. But if you like the conversation, you may consider to invite me again or to recommend me for another opportunity. Like yeah. I'm here today because someone hear me one day and decide to make a recommendation and took us a while, but we are here, right? Yeah, we're here. That's, yeah. But that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's look, look, that's networking, that's connecting, right? And I mean, I know you have these four tenets, access to capital, new markets, access to networks and the digital gap, right? Like those are the four tenets, which I know, but I want you to tell me about those, but also there was two classes. There's a Hispanic entrepreneurship training class. And what was the other class you were going to mention? La, the, the second one is called Let's Latina Entrepreneur Training Series. Let's. Did you know that Latinas start businesses six times faster than any other ethnic group? And it's not so that like Latinas six X, the number of businesses that have started. Yes. On any other Wow. It's not out of entrepreneurship uh, spirit. It's out of necessity. It's right? out of necessity. Wow. Yes. If we if we cannot find a job in a week, we will start selling empanadas, tamales, right. anything that we can know how to right. make. Yeah. And let me share. Like, I have a perfect story. A lady that was working on a dry cleaner for 20 years. She lost the job during the pandemic because nobody was going to the dry cleaner, right? She started baking bread from home, which is allowed in the state of New Jersey now, or was allowed during the pandemic. She was able to support her family and save enough money that two weeks ago, she opened the bakery, right? I mean, that's the, the American but, dream. But Luis, isn't, I was, you took the words. I was going to say, isn't that the American dream? Like, that's the whole thing, man. Like, that's it. And I have four young children. And as you and I have this conversation is the 3rd of June, which means they're about to be done with school. And I think nothing more inspirational than that, that story you just told about how, you know what? I can't get a job for a week. Well, I got to figure it out. I got to survive. I got to go yes. do a thing. Whatever that is, you know, go do that. What am I good at? What is my skill set? What am I talented at? Who it, who would purchase that either service or, or product? Like, is there value in what I can do or what I can make? And if there is, well, let's get out there to the market and bring it to people, right? 
And as a, as a residence of any town in the state of New Jersey, if we support our local businesses and I make that conscious effort to put gas on the town where I live, to buy food where I live, to order from the restaurant where I live, right? Because small businesses, we have over a million small businesses in the state of New Jersey. But those that are in Main Street, if they are doing well, the town will do well, security will be well. Like it's a lot of things that will happen. And remember, many of the, the individuals, I have a teenager daughter, the first job is usually on Main Street businesses, right? That are close to oh, home yeah. where they can walk or ride a bike or, or you know. Yeah. And that's the importance of, of doing that. Now, they generate jobs, they pay a lot of taxes. That's the importance of small businesses, especially on what is called by the federal government opportunity zones that are yeah. uh, towns that are very low, low and moderate income. That would be the difference between a family being able to afford all the, um, the, the, the things that they need and not being able to do right mm-hmm. and basically uh, that's the reality that's what we are trying to do we are trying to help people to open and grow their businesses but we want to focus on those who have high growth potential because if someone expressed that they don't have interest to grow we don't want to spend a lot of time with them because right. we'll take the same effort for us to to assist someone who doesn't want to grow that someone who do want to grow Hundred percent, yeah. And again, they de- those others might need different level of support, and the chamber might be able to provide that support because some of those people might want to sell that business at some point. That could be where they are in that stage. Let me ask you real quick because we're going to take another quick break. But do you want to focus on these four tenants: access to capital, access to new markets, access to networks, and then the digital gap, real quick? And if we go into the break, we'll come back at, at it. But I mean, it, it like they sound obvious in their titles. But talk to me a little bit about those. I mean, those are the subjects that the small businesses pay attention to. Like, we identify other needs, but it's hard for me to bring five people to attend a, a workshop about QuickBooks. Right. Accounting is important, right? But they don't see that as relevant for their business. But if I talk to them about those four subjects, they will chew up on hundreds, right? right? right. That's why we summarize their needs, because after they come and... In, in, we start helping them in the process to access to capital, we can identify other needs and we can refer them to a, like the difference. We see a lot of businesses that if they don't use a proper CPA or a proper bookkeeper, they, that's what is holding them down or back, right? Yeah, which shout out to our friend Ralph Winter because we're not here if Ralph doesn't make that connection. So Ralph, little free plug for you, Ralph Winter CPA out in New Jersey, making this connection. So really special. So it is important. It's look, I don't do my own books. I don't do my own payroll. I don't want to. It's not my skill set, right? Like, you know, and that's what you have to have people on your team, whether they be internal, if your company is large enough, or if you're in one of these micro businesses. I said, what did you tell me? 92% of businesses are are in that micro space, like five or fewer employees, 92%. And, And all the businesses that we admire, that we recognize that are like, like they are now on the uh, New York Stock Exchange. At one point, they start on a garage. They start okay. as a micro. I mean, yeah. it's nothing wrong to start a small business and grow. Right? You see that Amazon, like like Jeff Bezos, you know. You know the a, picture? The, where the picture with a spray-painted sign, right, in his office? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's it. That's possible, and, and you just need to have the right network and the right set of individuals to allow you to get there. 100%. And you need the support from an organization like yours. We're going to take a quick break. Luis, when we come back, I want to, we do like the lightning round at the end. I want to, I want you to tell me what's upcoming for the chamber. Who can you maybe through my network or others who are listening, connect you with and certain events and things that the chamber might need relationships or otherwise. We'll be right back. This is philanthropy and focus. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. 
In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. And we're back. This is Philanthropy and Focus. I am Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector. My guest is Luis. De La Hose. He is the VP of Community Business Development uh, and, and Lending and Banking at Valley Bank. Uh, he has his bachelor's degree in economics from Autonomo University. Look at me, I'm doing all my Spanish in Manizales, <laughs> Manizales, Colombia, and a certificate of management from the University of Andes in Bogota. And he graduated from the Entrepreneur Pioneer Initiative from Rutgers in uh, Rutgers University in uh, December of 2012. So I wanted to give you that. I mean, we we talked a lot about the chamber, but I wanted you all to know what Luis does professionally because the two are sort of, not sort of, but completely commingled, right? And we talked about this the other day, Luis. I said to you, you know, how much do is the influence of the banking and the credit influence what you do for the chamber? But I mean, when we look at those those four things, access to capital, access to new markets, networks, as a banker who's out there in the community, Obviously, there's this this interchange of the two roles. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about networking. Let's talk about what's upcoming for the chamber. How the you know how the chamber can support the community, and even more importantly, how can the community support the chamber? Let's talk about that. Okay, for minorities, when when we talk about access to capital, we have two problems, two major problems. One is the lack of personal credit history, and the second is the lack of collateral. Now. You cannot believe people that I helped seven years ago with a micro uh, loan, with a credit builder loan, now they are coming to purchase a building. But this networking is about farming. It's not about hunting. Networking is about farming. It's not about hunting. Yes. Yes. One of my favorite lines. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Uh, I mean, I planned my own customers seven years ago, three years ago, two years ago, a year ago, three months ago, right? Because I help them in a way that they come back to me and ask, hey, Luis, I'm having a hard time during the pandemic. I say, okay, this is what is available. We have PPP, we have NJDA, we have SBA, we have, and a lot of the services that we provide was not necessarily directly with us. PPP was, but others are not. But allowing people to access to those services that are available when they was looking for capital, was really important because that was the opportunity for us to develop the relationship, to assist them in something that they need. And I mean, during the pandemic, I was working longer hours because everybody was expecting us to be available at any time, right? That was a major price, but we was able to assist them through those processes. Now, the other thing is that sometimes uh, access to capital doesn't happen overnight. We have Senor Sangria that took us two and a half years to assist him to get access to SBA loan. Mm-hmm. The first year he was not prepared, he followed all the advice. Two and a half years after, he was able to get access to the loan. But sometimes people, they don't want to follow advice. They just want to, they are expecting a miracle and we don't do miracles. No. Now, access to new markets is the majority of the minority businesses, they focus on the natural market. I mean, if I'm from Colombia and I want to open a restaurant, I will focus on the Colombian customers. But the thing is that 
that is not the biggest market available. If we offer services to the general market, or if the general market offers services to the Hispanic community, now we can get a broader audience and we will be able to uh, like succeed during the pandemic, during the people that didn't have delivery services during the pandemic, if they decide to offer delivery or takeout, they did better. They didn't offer uh, like outside seating. They uh -huh. like those who adjust to the new reality easy and they don't fight against what is happening, they adjust faster. Now, did you know that 30% of the all the products and services that need to be purchased by any government agency supposed to be uh, addressed to minorities? Mm -hmm. The government is the biggest customer in our economy. Just think about if we have the opportunity to sell something to any agencies at the federal level, at the state level, at the county level or at the municipal level, we will be able to, to do well just mm -hmm. because we have a new market. Yeah. I mean, procurement is yeah. a key for minority businesses to succeed in business. So, now, yeah. so that could be, you know, maybe your business is not in a procurement market, but maybe, you know, if you are a distributor or a manufacturer, you can now become, you know, you can meet with Luis and, and a team at the chamber and they might say, look, there's this opportunity, this contract that you can get or you can apply for RFP for, for the state of New Jersey. It's not exactly what you do, but you can do that now because you have a, no, and, but right? You will be surprised because, for example, the state university, the Rockers in New Jersey, they purchase pizza like you cannot believe, huh. right? Actually, we have one member in Middlesex that he used to pay the the rent just with the pizza that they sell to a university, right? Like you, That's a perfect about, opportunity. Are you, are you referring to like cooked pizza delivery or are you referring to like frozen pizza that they're going to use on campus? No, no, because you know, it's a lot of meetings. It's a lot of things that happen right. at the university, teachers, training, a lot of things. Right. Like, so just they, so we're going to order 12 pies, like that kind of situation. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, sometimes you are doing something with volunteers, but you want to provide them at least a slice of pizza. Right, right. right. Someone needs to provide that. Right? Yeah, yeah. How that works? A student that didn't have a internet at home, as the business owner, that allowed him to study from his pizza plate. And he was one day in class and they realized that the university did that. And he asked the, the business owner, hey, I know that you don't speak English or can I like fulfill this application for you? And he was glad, he says, thank you. He did it. And I mean, he was sitting for free during the, his college <laughs> because this helped the business owner and this helped the student. Right. But what I'm trying to tell you is that those are the type of things that need to happen in our community yeah. if we support each other in a way that we can advance. Right. Now, network. Like I remember used to say to Carlos, hey, Carlos, if we only have 500 members, if we call the state, nobody will answer. Right. But when we hit 2,500 members, the, they start answering. Right. And the answer was, OK, when do you want to meet? No, the only day that we have is July. Well, it's leverage. It, it's, it's, a month from now. It's leverage. You had now, you were representing from an advocacy perspective and a network perspective, a much larger group, right? And the state had yes. to respond to that. I, we're going to run out of time because that's part of how this show works. We always run out okay. of time. We never run out of words. We always run out of time. One la one thing I want you to focus on, and then, and I do have to call out the website. So it's SHCC nj.org s-h-e-c-n-j.org -E Luis share your contact information real quick before I ask my next question yes tell, tell uh, me how do they get in touch with you call it out if you want people to call you or email you tell yes them. the easy way is to my cell phone 732-763-8293 or my email is l my initial name the last name de la host at valley.com Perfect. And I will make sure we get all that out. If you folks, if you don't get Luis's information, pause and go back and listen to what we just did. And then you'll hear it because it'll be there. Yes. Luis, here's my last question. And then we got to go. I got to ask you the, the uh, Bergen community college situation. Tell me about that real quick. If you can, where you are and how that ended. Oh. I mean, we was at the time we owed $300,000. We was paying a lot of money on rent at the one getaway center. 
we reduce that three times, but we get a call from the Bergen County Community College and they say, we have a networking space here. Can you consider to move here? We won't charge you for rent, but we need you to help us to attract people who use the space that we have. A co-working space, right? Yes. Yeah. And we did it. Now it's 105% like use, right, since we oh, moved. Right. No, no accident that you being there helped them out. I mean, because people used to come to our office to do business with us, and, and they saw the space. The space is neat. I mean, they have everything. You have, always have parking. The, everything is, is good. And they also have like a, um, an office facility on the fifth floor that we can use for conference that has a view of Manhattan. It's beautiful. So and, you talk know, about partnerships. The leverage, like leverage, there it is, partnerships. Partnerships, strategic yes. alliances, relationships. Sometimes it's, it's uh, things that money can buy, right? Yeah. But if, we ha- if you have good partners, a lot of good opportunities will present. And I believe that thanks to the board members, thanks to Carlos Medina, who is the president and CEO of the chamber, thanks to, to the, the team that we don't have a small team, but we have a lot of volunteers, thanks to the members, we grow together. Every time, I mean, and the work that we do is for free. I, I don't get a salary from the chamber. Right. Carlos just started getting a stipend like recently. But the idea was that we was able to go together and provide results to our members and to provide results to our supporters. The reason because we are here today is because Horizon Blue Cross and Blue Shield support us. He became our corporate partner and the title sponsor of this event just because they see the results and they they track that they are growing on the Hispanic market. That's the reason because they I love it. It's partnerships. You've proven out that this is not that that having a membership model was an old school model and having a results-based outcome model is the new school. I love this. Luis, I want to have you back on the show. I want you to go on my buddy Steve Fry's show and I got to get out of the way. You and I got to move out of the way because this show starts in two minutes and I'm probably over time. So look, thank you. Thanks for your friendship. Thank you, Ralph Winner, for making the connection. Enjoy the rest of the Health and Wellness Expo. If you go to the website, everybody, SHCCJ, excuse me, SHCCNJ.org. There's an event section there. You'll find out about all the great things. And July 19th is the, um, just tell me the expo again, right? The Hispanic Business Expo. And I shared that on Facebook for everybody. And you can get me, Tommy D. NYC on Facebook or Instagram or anywhere in the world, Tommy D. And I will help you with this information if you missed it. Have a great day, everybody. Stay tuned for Steve Fry. Luis, thanks so much. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc. 
for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Empower. 